This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpass. That's pass with an S. Hi, thanks for sharing, listeners. This is John T. And Jackie P. Um, we hate to disappoint, but uh, you're not getting an episode recorded today. We will give you something fresh. Yes. But um, we're not going to record an episode today uh, because we have been really busy with a lot we of have been. other things. Yes. Presentations, other mm-hmm. things we've got coming up. And so we wanted to share with you some of what we've been doing um, and what's coming your way. Yeah, yeah. Part of what has kept us busy is some. Um, new resources that we're hoping will serve you as a person in recovery or yeah. a person who's just looking to improve their life. Right. Um, so I was going to say one of the first things that we've got going on is it will be happening June 21st. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a weekend intensive. So three day, I think it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We start Thursday night and yeah. we end Sunday, Sunday afternoon. morning or so, afternoon. Okay. Yeah. So that's three and a half days. Um, that's intense. Yes. Hence intensive. <laughs> And uh, it's going to be up in Midway, Utah. Beautiful place. Um, right I was there at, just this last weekend. Just the Beautiful. other side of the mountain mm-hmm. from all of the Park City ski resorts. Um, we'll be there in the summer, so it's going to be gorgeous and green. Right. And, yeah. Lots of places to go hike and walk around and beautiful area. Um, and we're going to, our first intensive weekend will be, um, my mind just went bait. Dating, like, dating and recovery. Dating and recovery, right. Um, so this is something, uh, just yesterday I was speaking with one of my clients and, um, he talked about all the reasons why we're doing this intensive, how oh. scary it is to get back into dating, mm-hmm. um, in recovery, hoping that that doesn't just fold over into another relationship addiction. Right. Um, how long it's been since he's actually dated. Right. Um, so this is going to be mixed gender. We're going to have men and women there. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say for people who have been in recovery or gotten into recovery, or even sometimes people, I find this with clients who come to therapy, that it limits their dating options Mm -hmm. because they're looking for somebody with some emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. They're looking for somebody who is aware of their own character defects Mm -hmm. and doesn't just project that onto Mm -hmm. whoever they're dating. Um, They're looking for somebody who knows how to take their own inventory Mm -hmm. and emotionally regulate Mm -hmm. And that just unfortunately doesn't seem to be happening in the general public. Yeah, it's a it's a daunting task. Most people I talk to who have either ended their relationship or at the end, that's mm-hmm. one of their number one concerns. Like knowing what I know now and feeling what I feel now, will I ever find anybody right. that I could be with yeah. and be happy with? I had a client years ago who came in and she was dating somebody. So she wanted to come back and do a little bit of therapy um, because she knew that there were pieces of therapy we couldn't really do until she w- was in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, so I started dating this guy and we were talking and I said, you know, well, what, what attracted you to him in the first place? And we were talking about that. And then she says, but you know what really cinched the deal for me? And I said, no, what? And she said, he knows the lingo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I said, what lingo? The therapy lingo. Like he, he used the word boundaries and he had me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this inten- intensive is not going to be a face-to-face match.com or as we'd say in the old days, um, dating. Right. Um, but we're going to talk about boundaries. We're going to talk about healthy dating plans. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about some of those barriers that people in recovery find when it comes mm-hmm. time to date. 
and you will be leaving. I mean, and it's going to be experiential, right? So you will be practicing with real life people Uh um, and you'll be leaving with a sober dating plan. Yeah, we're we're really really excited for the opportunities here. We're hoping to get a good mix of men and women, mm-hmm. um, good mix of gay and straight, just so everybody has an opportunity to um, learn about, experience, hear about dating from many different angles, mm-hmm. um, and when, in a safe place, in a very safe place, um, and like we said, a beautiful place. So. Um, that's something coming up that we're really, really excited about. Yes. Uh, we will let you know when our website launches for that. Um, if you know that you're excited about that already and you want to know more about it, um, contact us at thanksforsharingpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we can set up a, we do a phone intake, a 20 minute phone intake to make sure that this is the right thing for mm-hmm. you um, and make sure this is going to meet the needs that you have. Um, so it's not too early to secure a spot. We right. just don't have a website up quite yet. Right. Um, another thing that we've got going on, if, if uh, dating and recovery doesn't fit your circumstance or life situation, um, just keep um, keep it on your calendar or keep it in the back of your mind. We're going to be doing another intensive in October, right? Is it October or September? I th- you, you're probably right. I think it's October. Okay. Um, That's right. It is October. Okay, Mid-October. So, okay. So... So we're going to be doing another one in October, same place, Midway, Mm -hmm. which again, the fall, you can't get prettier timing Mm -hmm. um, at Midway in the fall. It's a whole different experience. And that one is going to be a family of origin intensive. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to dive deep into, we've done series on families of Mm -hmm. origin. We've talked a lot about it. It's going to really dive deep again, very experiential, right? um, very hands-on and leaving with some really practical tools to help you take your next steps right and it's very timely because it'll be right before we're heading into the holiday season yeah which for a lot of people brings up a lot of family of origin issues yeah yeah um so those are our two big group intensives that we have coming up um jackie and i have also been hearing from you some of our listeners Mm -hmm. who have actually come out to utah to work with us on individual right um one-on-one intensive yeah yeah, so generally what we've done is we've worked together for a few hours um, on a Saturday and a Sunday or a Saturday and a Monday, um, and we've personalized some intensives for some of you, mm-hmm. and that has been really good. It's been exciting to meet some of you and to hear right. what you're getting um, from the podcast. Um, so we, we not only um, coordinate the therapy side of things, but there's lots of really great healing and recovery type things to get involved with here Um, some of our clients come out here and they do therapy and yoga with us. They do therapy and some recovery coaching Mm -hmm. with, um, Amy from worth recovery, Mm -hmm. one of our recovery coach friends. So, um, if you're needing some personalized attention Mm -hmm. and a jumpstart on some of the issues that you're working with, um, Jackie and I would love to work with you. Yeah. And, and don't discount intensives as a great way to deepen the work that Mm -hmm. you're already doing or to get a really great jumpstart into, Mm -hmm. or to break through an issue that you just kind of have hit a dead end with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lastly, kind of our big focus, and this is something that, um, the last three months we've really ramped up and Mm -hmm. we're getting ready to go live with this. Um, the hidden trauma crash course, right? which, Which our listeners have had some previews to some of those episodes and we'll be getting another one today. Yeah. So we have finished recording a series of six episodes for business owners um, or managers, uh, people that are involved with kind of those day-to-day decision-making mm-hmm. in the, the workplace. We're going to have other series on uh, medical trauma, um, 
probably some on uh, how trauma affects our ability to learn in general. Mm -hmm. And we're going to see where this can go. Um, so we'll be launching a website for that hopefully in two weeks. Um, that's, that's a our, lot of work's gone into that, that's mostly our, John. That's our big push for the next two weeks <clears throat> is to get that website live and beautiful and functional right. so that um, this can be another resource for our, our listeners in recovery. Yeah. And, and even if you're not like an executive or somebody in an administrative position over people, uh, still a great listen to if you have a job and yeah. found yourself ever in the workplace, you might find some gems in here. It was interesting. A couple months ago, my, my brother-in-law, um, he had been working at what started out as his dream job. Mm -hmm. And uh, over time, it got more and more toxic and more and more intolerable. And um, he had talked to me about some other business ideas that he was having because he didn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And fortunately we had released episode one, the adult children in the workplace. Oh, yeah. And I said, I'm just curious where you're at right now. You should give this a listen and tell me what you think. Uh -huh. And he came back and he said, I know I have to leave because my boss is this player. I've been this player. My coworkers mm -hmm. are doing this thing. Um, so it was, it was gratifying to hear. And uh, I don't think he's the type to just say nice things. Um, <laughs> Did you don't get that from him very easily. But he shoots straight. He shoots pretty straight. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great resource, uh, we, we hope, for anybody out there who gets to work with other people or has to work with other people, depending on how it feels that day. Right. Um, so today you're going to get episode three of um, the Hidden Trauma Crash Course. Um, so we hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hidden Trauma Crash Course series. This is episode three for businesses. I'm Jackie Pack. I'm John Taylor. Today in our episode, we're going to be talking about emotional intelligence in the workplace and why it's important to have and why we can't just simply fake emotional intelligence. Yeah, so this is a wave that I think is riding through the larger <clears throat> business world mm -hmm. um, right now. There's even, to understand it, there's uh, people who are graduating with degrees in emotional intelligence mm. Um and, and its application to business. Um, so we want to talk about our particular brand of emotional intelligence mm -hmm. um, and why we feel it's important and how that integrates with some of the other things that we've talked about already. Yeah, so let's talk just briefly about what emotional intelligence is. Do you have a, a definition yeah. that you work with? I was going to say this, uh, <clears throat> this goes back to the idea that there's multiple forms of intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just about IQ. Um, it's not just about uh, your ability to you know sell widgets to this person or to collect money um intelligence is made up on a lot of different fronts so emotional intelligence um i would say is that ability to um perceive interpret and react to emotions in a way that is adaptive and useful mm -hmm. um so being emotionally intelligent as an owner of a business and even um encouraging your employees to be emotionally intelligent i think taps into a whole uh, culture and a whole resource that many businesses don't know how to get at. Mm -hmm. um, and it's one of those things that I've seen with um, a lot of people who work for somebody else. They're happy to go there without any extra incentive. Yes. Um, it's it's just something that makes the workplace and makes the work experience better. And uh -huh. people are happy to contribute to that. And one of the things that you and I will talk about often is emotional hygiene mm -hmm. right now this doesn't mean i mean obviously it's important that you're showering and appropriately hygienic that way but emotionally um this is something where if if you've got some emotional chaos going on everybody feels that mm -hmm. and they may not know it um 
but you can't really hide it mm -hmm. in the business. And if it's going on for long periods of time, and if you're not aware that emotionally you're not hygienically clean or pure, then it's going to impact the company. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's something that we have seen with various people that we've worked with, um, other companies that we've consulted. Um, when there is something going on, uh, believe it or not, it leaks out mm -hmm. everywhere. Yep. Um, you can think that your personal life doesn't cross over into your work life, but it does, especially when it comes to the emotions that we bring uh, from place to place. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to note here uh, that emotional intelligence uh, makes a big difference. I think in, um, in matters of business, we tend to emphasize the logical side of things, the mathematical side mm -hmm. of things. Um, there's lots of formulas you use to keep your business on track. Um, but know when it comes down to it, if your body or the emotions and your brain or the logic are going to get in a fight, the body's always going to win. Right. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people, uh, even clients that I see in the therapy room will say, I'm just trying to get my frontal lobe strong enough that I don't have to worry about what my limbic system is doing. Mm. Um, and that never happens. The brain's right. not designed to work that way. Right. That we often think that the brain, that the body follows the brain when in reality the brain is following the body just as much, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I wanted to start off this episode with an experience that I had, and maybe we can expand on some of the areas of this. This was my first grown-up job. Um, this is the first time anyone asked me about a 401k and about benefits. Um, I was living with my parents and thought that I would perpetually be 21, so I didn't worry about <laughs> any of that. But um, the thing that attracted me about this job is that the work schedule was flexible and I was starting college um, and they paid better than anybody else who would give me an entry level mm -hmm. position. I think most other places I interviewed were around the $9, $10 an hour mm -hmm. range. This place paid a whopping $12 wow. an hour plus mileage. Okay. And I drove a lot, so it was a really sweet deal. Um, and something that I discovered pretty quickly um, was that everybody in the company was compensated this way. Mm -hmm. Compensation looked great. They talked a really good game, but there was nothing there emotionally to support mm -hmm. the workers. Um, I uh, so it was an empty structure. It was a very empty structure. Um, you know, even when it came down to policies and procedures and practices, it was changing from week to week. Mm -hmm. um, but but that aside. Um, the ability of the management to tune into the personalities and the personal needs of the employees, it was astounding how, how much they could not do that. Mm. Um, so for example, they, they wanted to have parties on a frequent basis. I think there were at least two big parties every year. There was a summer party that they usually did at an amusement park, and then there was a Christmas party. Um, and it was a really, uh, it was a big red flag to me when our first Christmas party rolled around. And I said, you know, it's a long way for me to drive. I've got a lot of work to do. I'd rather stay in my area and do my work. And my manager said, this is mandatory. <laughs> and we won't pay you for those hours if you're not at the party. Um, and I show up to the party and like the management team is really happy and upbeat, but everybody else looks so miserable to be there. Because it's mandatory. Because it's mandatory. And, and I figured out um, that they had to make the parties mandatory because nobody wanted to spend mm. time together. So that's a big red flag that you've got some emotional intelligence mm -hmm. issues going on. And if you're not paying attention to those, there's other things that are going to go off course. Mm -hmm. And the approach was a very um, <clears throat> like input A and output B approach. It was we want people to attend this because they, we want there to be a feel that we're fun and a great place to work. So we'll make it mandatory. Like it was missing the whole point mm -hmm. of why people didn't want 
to spend half of their work well day. and that simply having like a christmas party um doesn't make everybody feel connected to each other mm -hmm. right like hopefully the company has an atmosphere in which their support emotionally we're connected mm -hmm. and supporting one another and then we obviously would have a company mm -hmm. Christmas party mm -hmm. and that would flow out of that instead of saying okay we'll schedule this mandatory party and then everybody will get to know each other and we'll have that mm -hmm. and it was it was interesting in the position that I was in I visited a lot of the uh, satellite sites mm -hmm. um, as part of my job so I knew a lot of the employees and the employees all knew what the story was like we all had very similar mm. gripes um, and but it was it was interesting too because we'd always come back to I can't look for another job because nobody's gonna start me out at this mm. salary, and so it was this real bind there that um, in, instead of attracting um, good talent and keeping them motivated, it attracted um, it attracted some good talent. It attracted a lot of desperate people, and there was no motivation to keep mm -hmm. to keep working. Um, efficiently or, or effectively. Well, and as we've talked about in some of our earlier episodes in this series, it's going to attract people who are maybe used to or coming from dysfunctional families mm -hmm. in which I don't really like it, but it is what it is. And so I'll stay here because it gives me a paycheck or it pays me better than others can, which is kind of that family dynamic of well, this is the family I have. This mm -hmm. is the roof over my head. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And so I think that highlights the importance um, in your business. Um, the emotional atmosphere has to be authentic and it has to mm -hmm. be genuine. It can't be something that you manufacture. Right. And I think there's some really intentional things you can do to foster a healthy emotional mm -hmm. environment, um, but you can't pretend it's there when it's not. Right. The other issue that sometimes comes up when we're talking about emotional intelligence is um, issues such as narcissism, mm -hmm. um, because those those folks tend to be fairly relational. It looks like mm -hmm. they can be. They can be not the all life, of them. They are. can be the life of the party. Yes. They can. They can be extremely charming. They can be extremely um, flattering, but they're really not relational, mm -hmm. right? This is a one-sided relationship in which they are going to benefit, mm -hmm. and. You may think you're going to benefit, which is why you keep engaging with them. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, you're not going to benefit because you're being used for their purposes. Mm -hmm. And and so again, if we don't have this emotional intelligence, we don't recognize some of those red flags. Or I find a lot of times um, as I'm working with companies and talking to employees, they recognize it in their gut, but they mm -hmm. override it. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because, well, they, they treat me well, they give me a nice benefit package, or they pay me well, or everybody seems to like him or her, right? They're overriding what their gut is telling them which is all of that escaping the body because the body's giving me this mm -hmm. uncomfortable information i'm just going to go live in my head i'm just right. going to get logical on paper this is a great job and when we live in our head we will not have emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and and again i want to reiterate here i don't we're not advocating like workplaces need to be run emotionally right but there has to be space for that there has to be room for mm -hmm. that um, because humans are emotional creatures mm -hmm. um you know, the famous economist Adam Smith talked about the rational consumer and how his model for economics was built on the rationality of people. And his model for economics, it actually doesn't work because people are not rational. Mm -hmm. um, people are largely emotional. And that's something that we're dealing with 
in many sectors of our world um, is this on paper it should look this way but in practice it doesn't so right. we, we really have to get away from those paper models mm -hmm. I had a professor um, that would he would talk about evidence-based practice meaning we go to the research and that's where we pull how we're gonna help mm -hmm. people from he talked about the flip side of that which is we had to have practice-based evidence which is based mm -hmm. on my experience with people in the room my experience with how this actually works that's some of the evidence that I need or that's some of the, the facts that mm -hmm. I need to know what to do with this person yeah and I would say in the business place or in the in the workplace that's moving from this models and theories which can be a really good starting point moving into how is this actually working and what are our unique issues right. and who are the unique players. Because all issues. of those pieces have to be integrated mm -hmm. or we're going to have a problem. Mm -hmm. And that would be, like you, you had mentioned the narcissist in the workplace. I think that's a really good example of someone who goes on, um, on paper models of mm -hmm. people and on paper models of how it's supposed to work. And so they have this very uh, strict rule book laid out of how it's supposed to work and they play those rules to a T and then they're confused when organic beings and, and other human beings have their human reactions mm -hmm. and their organic reactions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so did you have more from, we were gonna talk about the layers of your example with work. Oh, we Give could, us some more. We could go on for hours. <laughs> um, so another, another part of this, um, this company I worked for contracted with hospitals um, to help get bills paid uh, for people who were uninsured. These are people who usually came to the emergency room and they didn't have insurance. Um, and most of them qualified for public assistance. So okay. our job was to help them get public assistance um, so that the hospital could get paid first and foremost. And also so that person didn't have, like there, there was a human side to the job. So right. that person didn't have this life-altering medical bill mm -hmm. hanging over their head. So there was a large hospital in the area um, that the company had a multi-million dollar contract with and the company lost that contract mm. um, because our company was not producing what we said we would produce. And for mm. me, a lot of that comes back to the employees didn't feel valued. Like there wasn't right. room for these employees to be human beings and so they didn't do good work. So we lost that contract and um, in a bid to win that back, the ownership of the company said, why don't you give us five of your highest outstanding balance accounts? We will work those for free. Um, and let's see if we can turn some of those around. And if mm. we can turn some of those around, will you reconsider the contract? Um, the hospital had very little to lose. So they said, yeah. So, you know, we had these huge, uh, these five accounts that were a huge sum of money in my area. Two of those accounts fell in my area. Mm. Um, and these are people that the hospital had tried to reach by phone, they tried to reach by mail, and my department would go to these people's front door and just say, hey, we're aware that you've got this bill, we wanna help you pay it. Um, so our department, I think we turned around three of those five okay. accounts. And one of them I personally turned around. Um, the company was so thrilled, one of the owners flew in from Arizona mm. um, to take our department out to breakfast. And I remember talking the week leading up to this, like. Do you think we're gonna go to the Grand America? Like, where are they gonna take us? Mm -hmm. We get to the office and the guy said, I'm just here for a couple hours. We've gotta do something quick. He said, I noticed there's a large hospital across the freeway. Um, did, they, did they have a decent cafeteria? And the manager of our department who, you know, like he, he just wanted to not make, not make his boss feel bad. Mm -hmm. um, Oh yeah, sure. That'll be great. So I think I got a $3 plate of French toast, um, <laughs> which tasted like hospital food. Um, and we're sitting there eating in this hospital cafeteria 
Um, and this owner's in the middle of us and he's kind of going around the table getting to know people and he asked, what's your name? And I tell him and he said, well, what do you do? And I said, well, my area is the northern part of the state. And he said, well, you must be doing a good job because I don't hear anything about you. Oh, and wow. I remember in that moment thinking like, I just worked an account that collected hundreds of thousands of dollars for the hospital and was a key piece of getting uh -huh. this contract back. Right. And you're thanking me with, I don't know who you are, and here's $3 worth of French toast. Oh, and by the way, I have to go in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that the gestures that indicate to employees that you care for them emotionally have to be grand. Uh -huh. I think I could have been happy with $3 of French toast, mm -hmm. honestly, um, if some of the other components had been different. Mm -hmm. If I had felt like that owner had seen me as a human being mm -hmm. um, and cared to get to know me beyond like, oh, your information is not relevant to me yeah. because either you're not a problem or you're not a manager. Um, I think there's a lot of pieces of that interaction that uh, behaviorally would not have needed to change, but there was a feel that was lacking there mm -hmm. that was one of the nails in the coffin uh, for me working there. I think it was pretty soon after that I, I told my manager that um, I needed to take a job in my field of study and he said, what are you studying again? And I said, social work. And he's like, so you're going to take a $3 an hour job? <laughs> and I said, yeah, right now I am. Mm. Um, and, you know, he threw the money and he threw the benefits mm -hmm. and he threw the, you know, we're a growing company and there's going to be opportunities for you to manage. I think that you're a good employee. Um, and again, he threw that on paper. You're dumb to do this. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that I needed more. I needed more than what that job offered mm -hmm. on paper. Well, and I think one of the things, I mean, this takes us back to kind of our opening point, which is emotional intelligence cannot be faked, mm -hmm. right? Another way to put that is you can't fake genuineness, mm -hmm. which feels like a very obvious statement because those two things contradict each other. <clears throat> but I think a lot of times people do try to fake genuineness. Mm -hmm. um, and it takes us kind of back to this point that sometimes in the business spheres, we make the assumption that it's money that motivates people. Mm -hmm. And what we find is far more often money is not the main motivator, right? Now, nobody's going to sign up right. to work for free. Well, and if, if money is the main motivator for somebody, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think the problem comes when there's a disconnect between the folks who are motivated by money mm -hmm. and the folks who are motivated by, I, I want to work in a place where I mm -hmm. feel valued or I want to work in a place where I feel cared for. Or I feel like I'm an important part of the team. If there's right. a disconnect there... Um, you're going to have some for it could be open rebellion or you could have this really kind of pernicious slow leak mm -hmm. in your in your workforce. Yeah. And there's assessments, you know, that we can give employees. Maybe you've already taken those in your business field so that you know what motivates your employees. Right. And there's usually a cluster, two or three things that motivate them. And I would add money being a main driver is not an issue unless it's the only motivator, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. it, when it's the only motivator, that's a pretty big red flag. And, and on that side, you're going to get emotional issues like entitlement. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get emotional issues like impulsiveness, mm -hmm. um, which, which again, like you may have employees that produce a lot, but they might cut a lot of corners to do that. Right. Um, or they may, uh, they may take risks mm -hmm. that, put your business and your name mm -hmm. at risk all in the name of being motivated by money. So they may look again on paper, they may look like great employees, but they may be a nightmare to manage. Right. And, and again, I think one of the things, you know, we're starting to talk about as millennials have aged and now all of the millennial generation are now adults. 
Um, and so they're entering the workplace and having those real adult jobs and graduating college and all of that kind of stuff. Um, we've been talking about millennials for a long time. And a lot of times I think I think millennials get a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Um, As a millennial, I would agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a millennial, but I still think millennials get somewhat of a bad rap. And, and I think with every generation, right, you've got to look at, okay, what are the downsides to this? But sometimes when we have conversations about millennials, we think that there's only a downside to millennials. Mm -hmm. And that's just not simply the case. And I would say one of the things that we are learning as millennials have aged into the adult workplace um, is that particularly with millennials, they're not going to put up with a work environment simply because you're giving them a paycheck. Mm -hmm. If the work environment is not healthy, is not supportive, millennials... And this is a stereotype. This is generally kind of painting with a broad brush. But millennials tend to be not just money driven. Well, and that's, that's what the study shows, that millennials will make choices more based on relationships mm-hmm. than they will on other factors. Right. And flexibility and support mm-hmm. and being able to have a work-life balance. I think that's one of the big sea changes we're seeing in business overall is you have this evolution from, you know, the 1940s and you know, between the 1940s and 60s, the economy that we knew was largely built on, uh, you know, our, a lot of historians would argue the economy and the way the American economy worked was one of the reasons why we could win World War II. Mm-hmm. And so this was a, an economy built on survival. So that meant it was your duty mm-hmm. to get a job and to contribute to the betterment of society through that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved into this you know, self-sufficiency mode, which was an answer to the Great Depression. Like, so you had these people who would have the same job or work with the same company for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that there was a small window where those many companies could take care of people well, like pensions worked, right. benefits worked. Um, and so that greatest generation um, raised the baby boomers. And I think for baby boomers, it worked a lot the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not staying with the same company for 40 years, but a job change was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then you get... And not likely. Yeah. Not likely to happen. And then you get the baby boomers raising Generation X. And what I've noticed, and, and maybe this is particular to the field of therapy, but a lot of the Generation X people that I meet at conferences, um, they're in their second and third mm-hmm. career, not mm-hmm. just you know, a, a different job in the same career field, complete Complete changes. career change. Well, and, and I think some of that, right, because I am a Gen Xer, and I think some of that, you know, we kind of had the mentality that our parents and grandparents gave us, which is you find a good job with good benefits, da-da-da-da-da. We got into that career, and then we recognized we weren't happy. Mm-hmm. And we started to weigh the cost of not being happy versus getting a paycheck, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people started then looking at a total career change, Mm -hmm. which before for our parents or our grandparents, a job change was huge. Now we're talking about career changes. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm gonna paint, uh, or I'm I'm gonna say something that's very one dimensional. And um, I know that a lot of people could disagree with what I'm, and I'll own like this is simplistic. Um, but I think one of like we're dealing with some problems in the workforce now that are results of a workforce and an economy and a, you know, a business system that has ushered in prosperity that the world has not known before. Mm-hmm. You know, so we live in a time right now where, you know, for, for millennials, not having a great paying job isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, 
it's not going to break them. Like a lot of millennials are taking longer to move out of their parents' house. And they're taking longer to get married, have and, children. And I think part of that is because our society and families, uh, smaller families, they can support that a little bit mm-hmm. longer. Um, and so, yeah, we can look at that and we can say millennials are just spoiled or we can look at the issues that have bubbled up around millennials mm-hmm. that they're not going to ignore, which is relationships are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the workforce that you largely have to choose from and you ignore that at your own peril. Right. Um, I have a friend who, um, speaking of complete career changes, he got a, uh, he got a degree in landscape architecture um, during the 2008 crash. So there were no new houses and no new construction mm. for him to, he, he loves, architecture and he he still does a little bit of work with that as a hobby he went and got a, a second degree as a computer programmer okay. um, an analyst and right now he has a job um, that the commute is really really long mm-hmm. um, and the job doesn't pay great however his company recognizing that um, his talents are needed they pay him for his commute oh, okay um, and so that's part of his eight-hour workday mm-hmm. he takes the train he works on the train um, they're one of those companies that has a fully stocked pantry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when he gets to work, um, snacks, even like some, I don't know if he needs a Q-tip, like it's there for him. Mm. Um, and it's little, little things. And mm-hmm. I don't think it's about like, this is an investment that pays off, but there's some things that his company is doing that saying, we maybe can't pay you at the top of your salary range for this field, but we can take care of you mm-hmm. in ways that other companies might right. not. We can show you that we care mm-hmm. about you and that we value you. And as long as that culture has stayed intact, he's incredibly loyal to mm-hmm. this place. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually, so they, they actually made a move closer to his work about a year ago. Um, and that was big for them because staying close to family was really, really important for mm-hmm. them. But he felt supported enough and they felt supported enough by his employer that they felt comfortable making that move because there was, there was actually a genuine community mm-hmm. around where he worked. And so they could make decisions that actually increased his productivity mm-hmm. um, and increased his accessibility by his employer. And he was happy to do that without a giant raise. Yeah. Um, he was happy to do that because there was a relationship there that was genuine and he knew that it, it worked. And mm-hmm. He knew that they cared about him. So again, as we're kind of wrapping up this episode on emotional intelligence, let's kind of summarize the, the points that we've hit. First of all, emotional intelligence being that ability, A, to be genuine and relational, but to be able to kind of integrate the various levels of intelligence, both just like, you know, book smart, paper smart, but also being able to con- genuinely connect with each other. Mm-hmm. And that would be part of that emotional intelligence, as well as knowing what's going on with you and tending to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think something if you want to take some definite action based on what you've listened to today, if you're having problems with your personnel, turnover or productivity, and you've looked at a lot of other options, start looking at this. What's the emotional story mm-hmm. that's there? And if you don't know, that's one of the known unknowns. Right. And you need to know that. Right. Um, that I, I really don't know what the emotional story is because I would guess that a large portion of that solution portion of that solution lies in what's the emotional story of the mm-hmm. people involved here. And and you may need to just like with other areas in every company, we need help troubleshooting. Mm-hmm. Right? We've got to be able to consult with people and say what is it that we're not seeing here? What's like we know maybe what we are seeing, what we don't know is what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And we've got to have help troubleshooting that. Yeah. So thanks for listening today. We'll be back with another episode soon. 
This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.